Hi friends and welcome to the Do Life Better podcast where you'll find all the tips, habits and strategies you need to help you do your life just that little bit better each and every day. My name is Dave Jorner and thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. Now I've just gotten back from going for a walk with a mate of mine down the Esplanade and it was a freezing cold morning. Like I'm up in Brisbane and the temperature was under 10 degrees and for us it is absolutely freezing. But as I was chatting with my mate this morning, I was talking about some things I've been doing at home with my family just over this last week or two. And these ideas, these tips, these strategies come from Dr. Justin Coulson, who is today's guest. And even just by doing these two things, like one of them is just sharing more stories around the dinner table, stories about family, about the family past, about values. And, and even just in this last week, I've started reading my travel journal from when my wife and I uh, traveled around Europe for six months. So I've taken that out of the cupboard, haven't read it for 16 years. started reading at the table and it's been such a nice moment for my wife and I to go back over the memories and experience them again and then to share them with my sons. And my sons were cheering the next day when they realized that we were going to be sitting down and talking about more of these stories. And in fact, one of the stories was we were in Porto in Portugal. This is actually the home of Port. And I remembered that there was a small bottle of port in our display cabinet, which I bought 16 years ago over in Porto. And I decided to open up and give it a test and see what it was like. And the first couple of sips were okay, but after that it was pretty bad. But it was really nice just to revisit these moments and to share them with my sons. And again, to go through these memories and to relive the moments with my wife has been really quite special. And I know that the tips that Dr. Justin Corson is going to share with you from this chat are going to be just as beneficial, just as helpful for you. And one of the things I like about Justin is his style. He gives quick, actionable tips that you can use immediately to make a really big difference. So if you are a parent or not, these tips are going to be just as beneficial for building your own resilience as it is for building resilience of children, of your own children or other children that you know. Now, this chat with Justin was a long one, and he shared absolute gold from the start right through to the end. And I don't want you to miss out on any of this. So what I've decided to do is to split this episode in half. The first half is today, obviously. The second half is next week, and each half has a slightly different focus, as you'll hear about in a moment. Now, Dr. Justin Coulson from Happy Families is a highly sought-after international speaker delivering keynote speeches and workshops to boost well-being and improve relationships for parents, teachers, students, and employees. He has written several books and e-books about parenting, including The 21 Days to a Happier Family, which I'm reading at the moment, great book, and Nine Ways to a Resilient Child, which I just finished recently, and I'm already starting to use a number of those tips, and they're making a big difference. By the way, that book, Nine Ways to a Resilient Child, has actually reshaped the way that I think about resilience in a number of key areas. I thought I had a really good grasp on building resilience in children, and then after reading his book... I realized that there's a number of other areas I hadn't even thought about yet. So that one was really, really helpful for me, again, to build their resilience, but also to build my own. Justin is also consistently sought after by the media for his expertise. He writes a weekly advice column for Sydney's Daily Telegraph, appears regularly on The Project, The Today Show, Studio 10, Mornings, and several radio stations around the nation. He is also the parenting expert at kidspot.com.au, Australia's number one parenting website. He is a consultant to the Federal Government's Office of the Children's eSafety Commissioner and advises to many well-known organisations, including Beyond Blue, the Raising Children Network and Life Education. 
as I mentioned before, this chat was a longer one. So again, I have split it in half. And in today's episode, Justin talks about creating productive routines while working from home, the importance of prizing your time and what that means. He also talks about stopping yourself from distraction by increasing self-discipline and the importance and power of sharing family stories, like I mentioned earlier, and creating meaning from your life. Now, as I mentioned before, whether you're a parent or not, this chat will be really beneficial for you. A lot of tips on productivity, resilience, and more. So please share this on Instagram. Make sure you tag Justin and myself. Justin is Dr. Justin Coulson. Uh, you can find him also by searching Happy Families on Instagram. And please share this with a friend of yours who you know will benefit from it as well. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Dr. Justin Coulson. Dr. Justin, thank you very much for joining me today on the Do Life Better podcast. It's really nice to be with you, Dave. Yeah, and as I mentioned just before we started recording, it is a treat to chat with you today. Um, I am a bit of a, a, a podcast fan myself, and I've listened to a number of yours on the Happy Families podcast. Um, I've got a couple of your books as well, and um, it's I've kind of had your voice in my head a number of times. Um, just from the podcast and also the, the phrases that you use in your books. Like one of the things I love about your books, Justin, is that it's not just the theory, it's not just the research, but it's things like try saying this <laughs> to your children. Like here's an example of what you could say. Um, and it's things that I've been able to implement immediately uh, in how I'm being a dad uh, and also the things that I'm working on myself. Um, I'm going to ask you about this a little bit later on, but just for now, one of the things you mentioned in this nine ways to a resilient child is the importance of telling family stories. Yeah. And I read that one night and then the very next day, I'm going to ask you more about this later, but the very next night, sitting around the dinner table, I went, we started talking about my family stories from dating even back to the 1300s. Um, wow. my wife started telling some of her stories as well. And the boys, like, cause I've got two sons and they were absolutely riveted. And then the next night, they're like, can we just say more stories? And they're telling the rest of our family, the stories, they're remembering them pretty much word for word. It's incredible. So I want to ask you later about the importance of those stories, but I just wanted to say that now, just as a thank you. Um, well, that's great. I, I love hearing that, Dave. You know, we, we, we can talk about the research and why it's important shortly, but I will just highlight that in our family, we really make a point of doing this. We share stories from our day, but also share our stories from history. In fact, just the other night around the dinner table for a bit of fun, uh, we, we around our, our dinner table conversations are really intentional. We want to talk about um, values and the things that we really want our children to internalize. But every now and again, we want to break it up and just make it light. And I suggested, you know, instead of just having this waffle around the table, that, that's sometimes nice to have. I, I like to have some sort of a purpose to conversations. And I said to the family, what about if we talk about the best memories we've got of all of our injuries? Let's let's just share yeah. injury stories tonight. And, you know, our meal finished and half an hour later, the whole family was still at the table laughing. And uh, I think it was about 45 minutes, 50 minutes after the, the evening meal, we finally finished telling our and we we, we hadn't exhausted the list because there were a lot of injuries to talk about. But we we just laughed for about an hour around the dinner table. And I, I sat there. And I thought to myself, this is what it's about. You know, this is. 
this is what happy families are about. This is also how we, this is how we bond. This is how we create memories. It's this kind of stuff. Now I've got my 16 year old and she's talking about how she got this scar just above her elbow because she had a crush on some boy. And as he was walking towards her one day, he actually tripped. And in her effort to try to save her, she save him, she swung around and his tooth went into her elbow. And, and now she's kind of got this, this place in her heart for him because she's always going to have his tooth in her elbow. And, you know, I'm just, and she's laughing about the way it all happened. And we just great memories. And, and it, and it brings the family together in a really neat way. But conversations like that also, they, they build not just a sense of shared memory and unity and purpose, but well, as, as I'm sure we'll discuss later, they, they help us to build resilience and, uh, and it's fascinating the way that works and why that works, but it just it's so much fun when you start to discover how awesome your kids are and really dive into this sort of this sort of conversation with them. Yeah, and even I'm gonna have to try it on tonight actually. The injuries that'd be great. Um, and just even their enthusiasm, my sons when they were talking to my parents and my wife's parents about the stories, like just their enthusiasm, the joy of them sharing those stories about our ancestry yeah. and yeah. and then obviously seeing the grandparents' expressions too because they get to see how much pride my sons have in their own stories. Yeah, so that's it. And, 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 and the family the family knowledge is being passed down and, mm. and this is stuff that matters. The older you get, the more you feel it. But uh, there, there's something extraordinarily uh reassuring knowing that your family honor the their, their roots yeah. they know where they've come from they know what it's all about so uh, yeah like like I said I, I don't want to um, take over the interview with stories just about <laughs> why this matters but we can get there in due we'll get course there in a minute. absolutely Sounds good. with this COVID-19 series at the moment one of the things I've been asking I've been asking guests two things at the very start and doing this a little bit differently at the moment just to see how they go. And I quite like it, actually. One of the, the first questions, um, because things are quite different now, um, we need to have different priorities and, and put, spend more time on certain things. So I'm curious, Justin, for you, what's something that you've been working on the most lately or something that you've been trying to develop? Well, uh, we've kind of had circumstances thrust upon us because of COVID-19. Uh, my, my role normally is that I travel around the country every week of the year giving talks and, you know, getting big groups of people together, all breathing the same air in one room, you know, hundreds and hundreds mm. of people all at once. And obviously I can't do that anymore. And so for the last few weeks uh, or last few months now, I've been at home and this is, this is a new thing. I, I've been home more lately than, than ever before. Uh, and so what we've really been focusing on is uh, helping our children to manage the challenges associated with not being at school, not having the connections, not having the daily flow, not having the same energy output. Uh, we've really been working hard for them. For, for me, I run my own business, so I'm working downstairs in the office all day. That's that's kind of my my thing now. I've still got to provide for my family. Uh, but for the for the kids, we've worked really hard on trying to work out what what's the best way to support them and their well-being. Because we know that if they're well, they're going to learn well, they're going to function well, and uh, and and this matters. Whereas if if they don't have this uh, th this positive routine around them, this positive supportive environment around them, they're going to really struggle. So we've just focused on a couple of things. So in in terms of ages, we've got one who's in her first year of school, then we've got one in grade five, 
there are two primary school kids. Then we've got three in high school, seven, 10, and 12, grades mm. seven, 10, and 12. Our oldest moved out and married, okay? So that's the six kids. So the, the big kids, we've been really fortunate. They've just done whatever the teachers have told them. They've sat in front of their screens, they've done the work, they've been brilliant. Nevertheless, we've said to all of them, there's three things that have to happen every day. Number one, there's gotta be at least an hour of schoolwork. Now we're not big on, especially the primary school kids, pushing them too hard with school. They'll catch up when they get back to school, it's gonna be okay. But we wanna make sure that they're doing some good quality learning every day, so we've been emphasizing an hour of schoolwork. The other thing we've really been emphasizing is an hour of active outdoor physical activity. Uh, minimum one hour, because we know how important that is for them, for their well-being. And the third thing that we've really pushed hard is just an hour of contribution to a project or something that we're doing around the house to make sure that everybody is getting the stuff done that needs to be done, whether it's weeding or painting or raking leaves or uh, cleaning up just stuff. You know, we, we want them to make sure that they're contributing to the home. Now, there's there's one more thing that I wish we were doing, uh, and COVID-19 sort of just interrupted our capacity to do it a little bit, uh, and that is I wish we were looking out for other people a bit more and mm -hmm. finding ways that we could give. Uh, but we've chosen to really isolate ourselves and lock ourselves down pretty well uh, until recently. And so therefore, those options, we haven't been as creative as we might be. So those options have been limited. But what we've seen is our children have just thrived in that environment. You know, I'm, I'm hearing stories from people who are not having such positive experiences. And I understand that everyone's got different circumstances. So no shame or blame or judgment at all. Uh, what I will say simply is that the children knowing what these minimum expectations are and being in an environment that can support them. And I know that some environments just can't because, you know, you've got parents working or parents trying to do it all on their own. And uh, sometimes the circumstances are such that it can't work. But that's probably been the, the answer to that question within the family. That's what we've been doing. Beyond that, uh, there's one other thing that I'll throw in because you said, what are, the, what are the top couple of things you've been doing? The other thing that I constantly do is I I go through these cycles where I'm really good and then I'm really bad. I think we all have that with different things in our lives. Mm. Some people might be eating, some people might be exercise, some people might, people might be sleep or you know getting off Netflix or off screens or whatever it is. And we all have these cycles. But for me, I find that as a human, I just thrive when I've got my routine nailed. And so recently I've been, I, I'm like, well, I'm at home. I've got no excuses to not have a great routine. So I've been working really hard on my routine and, I, and I've dialed it in really, really well. So I'm just, I'm loving what that means for me. In a nutshell, every morning I get up around about between four and 4.30 and I get out on my bike for about 90 minutes to two hours. So I'm, I'm home usually around 6.30. Sometimes I'll do a slightly longer one and get home at about seven, but I've got a good couple of hours of high quality exercise in. From seven till eight, I'm with the kids or from 6.30 till 7.30, whatever it is, I'm, I'm with the kids and working on breakfast and just you know getting things organized, being a support to my wife. Uh, then the last hour or so before I go into the office, I spend an hour just on personal growth and development, which is primarily reading. You know, when I'm on the bike, I can listen to podcasts, but I spend that time reading and I, I make sure that I read at least an hour a day. It's, it's critically important to my development. When I hit the office, just before nine, I check in with my team for five to 10 minutes. And from nine till midday, I call that my magic three hours. Now, I know that this is an extraordinarily privileged thing that I get to do. But from nine to 12, I don't take phone calls. I don't respond to emails. I just work on the projects that need focus. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much ignore the rest of the world. So my first three hours in the office are just super productive. 
once I finished in the office about lunchtime, I have a bit of lunch with the family. And then for the rest of the day, I'm answering calls, I'm doing emails, I'm doing all the administrative that has to be done in running a business and, and, and helping people in the various ways that I do that. But Dave, I've got to tell you, having that routine better down, and then we've got the afternoon and evening routine sorted as well. It, it makes for such efficiency and such effectiveness that it increases productivity. And as somebody who has got to get stuff done, which is most of us, it changes the game. Now, I know not everyone can do exactly what I'm doing, but I'm not suggesting that you do what I do. I'm suggesting you work out what you need to do and then you block your time however you have to to get that stuff done. Mm. I really like that. One, one thing I've been working on a lot myself also is the morning routine. Now, I've, I've had one for quite a while, but because I also, not before, um, prior to COVID-19, I also travel around the country and or just around Brisbane running different programs and so on. And so my morning routine would change in terms of what time I'd start it because I have to leave home at very different times. But now that I'm home every day, there's more predictability around it. So one thing I have been focusing on a lot is my own morning routine. Um, I don't have the luxury, though, of the three hours of uninterrupted office time because I'm still doing learning at home. Um, but even just re- even within that, finding new ways to be productive. And also, I suppose, because I'm doing a lot of learning at home, being okay and not being productive some days as well has been yeah. really important for myself. Um, so I, I like what you said also before about one hour for, for your kids, one hour of work, um, school work, one hour outside time, and then one hour doing something to contribute to the family. I'm going to have to pick up that last hour with my own two kids, see how that goes. I love that. They're going to love you for it, Dave. They will just think you're <laughs> the best dad ever for making them weed for an hour. Now, now the, trick with, the trick with that, though, is you really want to do it with them. You know, this is a mm. we, we have a phrase in our home that we use all the time, and it's all in. Uh, and we say it consistently. So, so, for example, every night after dinner, once our conversation's finished, uh, literally I say, all right, kids, all in. And all in means everyone's backside gets into the kitchen and everyone's contributing. So when they hear all in, it means we've all got work together and we're going to work as a team. And there's something uh, something powerful about all in. They know that they don't have to do it on their own. They know that when everyone gets stuck into it, the job gets done and we actually get to enjoy our time together. You know, sometimes we'll add music or we'll add fun conversations or jokes. Uh, we've got some family traditions around games that we play uh, that, that make that all-in time delightful and engaging and enjoyable. I'm not suggesting that we just crack the whip and say, kids, one hour in the garden, go. Or, you know, one hour with the paintbrush or go do the cars. Mm. That's not what it's about. It's actually about using this time to work together as a team. And, and I think that's critical. The other thing that I want to touch on that you've highlighted is, and, and I know that I already emphasized this, but let me just say it to be really explicit, not everybody's got the capacity to say to their team, leave me alone from nine exactly. to 12. Yeah, yeah. And that's not, that's not how I used to do it. It's taken me a few years to build up to this, but it used to be, I would give my phone to my wife for an hour and say, honey, just for the next hour or the next 45 minutes or the next whatever. And, and, and so I wasn't actually doing it in a structured way. I was mm. just saying, I've really got to get stuff done and I can't be interrupted. And so we just do what we've got to do so that we can learn the habits. And over time, it all evolves and it changes as your needs change. And lastly, you mentioned that some days you don't really find yourself particularly productive. Well, I've just gone on this big spiel about how productive I am and how great I am. But today, I woke up with a headache because last night, I didn't stick to the routine. 
And we watched a couple of extra episodes of Netflix, which meant that I went to bed about two hours later than I should have. Uh, and that meant that I woke up late this morning and I had a headache and I felt crappy. And then I had to go and help somebody to do a job because my you know, I've got a family member that's gone through a, a massive drama and they're moving out of home and I had to go and help them to do that. And I forgot that it was mum's birthday tomorrow, so I spent some time in the shopping centre. And you know, by the time I got home, I've still got a headache. I've done nothing up till midday. I ate, I ate KFC for lunch for crying out loud. I mean, <laughs> that's how bad today's been. And then I, I, I knew that I was talking to you, and I needed to have a nap because I was just a, I was just a wreck. Mm. And so my day today has been exactly the opposite of what I've described. But the great thing is because I'm nailing the routine, let's say four days out of five. I've got the routine so dialed in that if I do have a day like today, it doesn't make the rest mm -hmm. of my week fall apart. Yep. I know that tomorrow I can make it up. Yep. And that's that's key as well. I think having days like today for you, that more of a mental health day, taking care of just your, your family priorities, I think is really important to then help you be productive tomorrow. Um, yes. So when I took a mental health day yesterday, I just wasn't up to it. I needed a mental health day yesterday. And today I'm feeling much better. Um, in fact, it's my son's turn to have a mental health day today. Uh, right. I think it's so important. Yes, we need to be productive. We need to have routines in place, but we also need to create those personal boundaries like now your, your three-hour block-out time in the morning or when you give your phone to your wife or even just those boundaries around, you know what, I need self-care today. I need to be self-compassionate and just focus on something else and be productive tomorrow, and, and I think that's okay. It's worth, worth also mentioning, some people might be listening to this and going, oh, yeah, it's okay for you. You know, you run your own business or you're in this situation or that situation. Mm. If, you're, if you're an employee, well, if you're running your own business, you can, you can kind of do what you want. Let's, let's face it. Sometimes it comes at a great cost, but you do have that flexibility. But if you're an employee, you do get sick days. Uh, there, there are uh, holiday annual leave days. And I know that there are difficulties around getting them whenever you want sometimes. But there is still the capacity to plan ahead and make this stuff happen. Uh, and, and when you can really be intentional around this, it's extraordinary what it can do for your well-being. For those who are working casual, for those who are you know, a full-time mum, I mean, you know, these are the people who actually don't get to have the time off and my heart goes out to them. Yeah. But again, if we're effective and efficient in the way that we prioritise and manage our time, uh, it's extraordinary how how effective we can be even in creating a little bit of time. I love what Nir Isle says. Uh, Nir Isle wrote a book called Indistractable. Uh, and, and he's talking about how, he talks about how quite often we're not efficient and we get distracted with all sorts of things. And then we feel like we've got all this pressure because we haven't got the stuff done that needed to be done. And now we're running out of time and it feels like everything's landing on us at once. Uh, and he says, what we've got to do is we've got to be really disciplined with the way we use our time. We've got to we've got to really prize our time. And then he says something really, really cool. He says, if we don't prize our time and we allow ourselves to get distracted, what we're actually doing is when we get distracted, it's not because other stuff is shiny and glittery and saying, look at me, look at me. What it's about is recognizing that right now I'm feeling a level of pain or discomfort. And as we feel pain and discomfort, we allow ourselves to find things to take us away from that pain and discomfort. So sitting in my office from nine to midday and working, believe it or not, it's not a joy. It's, it's really hard. Uh, getting up at 4.30 to go for that bike ride, it's not a joy. It's really hard. But by being absolutely strict on sitting through, gritting my teeth through the pain of the discipline, it means that 
we have more space for other stuff outside of that discipline time. So distractibility is actually about pain management. And if you can stop yourself from being distracted, what you're actually doing is you're stopping yourself from succumbing to the pain of what you've got to do. And I really like that because I like the idea of a contest, me versus my pain. I like the idea of being able to prove myself, yeah, that was really hard and I wanted to stop. But man, look at me go. I nailed it. I got that done. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, And just that ability to, as you said, grit your teeth and just get through that pain to help the discipline, to help keep it going, to help those continue working on those habits, to help them just become more ingrained part of, of what you do and how you do it, I think it's important. Um, one of the things you mentioned earlier too, before I get to the next question, is to, you reminded me, because one thing that I also do now is put some music on. I think my, my two sons each choose two songs, their two favourite songs, we put them on, say four songs. You're nodding, you know where I'm going with this. Put on four songs and then do as much housework as we possibly can for four songs. We gamify clean up time. And it's made such a difference. And, and even what you said before about all in, I think there's so many people around the country doing your exact tips, the things that your family does, using your phrases um, to help their families be happier and to be more resilient. Yeah, that's great. I don't like giving scripts, by the way. I like people to figure it out for themselves. But sometimes you just want to know what you've got to say, yeah. right? Sometimes it's just, how do I fix this? Where do I go? And just, just get it done. Yeah. Absolutely. And it feels like we could do a whole podcast on this whole productivity thing too. But um, <laughs> one more question before we get into the resilience ones, because I think this is really important right now as well, and it does help with resilience too. What are you most grateful for at the moment? Mm. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things that I'd say there, Dave. And we talk about gratitude in our home all the time. And by the way, you're right, this sort of stuff, it, it builds resilience. You know, being product, being productive, being efficient, knowing how to do the things we've talked about is part of being resilient. The resilient kids are the ones who are conscientious and can work through the pain. The resilient adults are the ones who say, I've got an obstacle in front of me and I've got to work around it. So this this is about resilience, even if it's not sounding quite as direct about it as, as we might otherwise speak. Um, what I'm grateful for, uh, you know, the, the usual stuff. I don't think I'm particularly unusual where I say I'm grateful for my relationships. I'm, I, I've got a faith background. I'm grateful for my faith. That has a tremendous impact on, on who I am and the way I live my life. Um, I'm grateful for uh, every now and again I pause and I just think to myself, how, how lucky is Australia? Mm. And, and that I live in this country where we've got enough food. And we've got such abundance and, and extraordinary wealth. We've got so much freedom. We've got incredible health. We've got good roads and transport. I mean, when you look around what, what we've got in this country, it is just extraordinary. Uh, and you look at what else, what, what's happening in other parts of the world and think, yeah, we're, we're, we're okay. We're, we're doing all right. Yeah. Uh, every now and again, when people start whinging and complaining, I think to myself, well, I guess you can be grateful or you can grumble, um, but I'm going to choose gratitude. It feels better and we've got so much to be, to be glad about. Yeah, and even the, the rain that's at your place right now, like you're probably, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes away from where I am, but it's absolutely bucketing down at your place. It, so if the listeners can hear static, it's not static, it's the rain. Um, yeah, but where we're, I we're am right now, it's sunshine. It's, it's <laughs> crazy, it's crazy. Anyways, um, Justin, I mentioned before about the power of the stories, and you talk a lot about knowing who you are. Uh, and the strength and the resilience that comes from that. So I'd love to hear more about why stories are so important. 
Yeah, so essentially, well, there, there's a few reasons for this. We could go in a few directions. So mm. I'll just I'll just sort of free associate. You tell me when when you want to change tack. Uh, let me start with the evidence, and then I'll talk a bit more about what I think is really going on here. So the evidence tells us that uh, there was a guy called Marshall Duke. He's a researcher at um, Emory University in the United States. His wife was doing some research with kids that have got additional needs. Uh, she found that the children who had additional needs that came from families where the kids knew lots about their family, they really felt integrated into their family, uh, those children seemed to do well. And, and it wasn't a question of privilege. You know, It wasn't whoever had the most money. It was about the way the families engaged and interacted. And what she discovered specifically was it was about the way that the family told stories. They created a family narrative. Mm. Well, we're the kind of family who does this or we're the kind of family that pushes through that. You know, it was was that kind of a a thing. So Professor Duke looked at this and sort of of thought, well, this is is really curious. These kids are doing better. They're, They're the ones that are more resilient. I wonder if we can study this empirically. And he put together a, a little scale, a little questionnaire, I guess. It's called the, the Do You Know Scale. And, and I, I got his permission to reprint it in my book, uh, which my book is called uh, Nine Ways to a Resilient Child. And have a listen to some of these questions here and just consider, can you answer them? Could your kids answer them? Uh, the questions are simple. Uh, do you know how your parents met? Do you know where your mother grew up? Do you know where your dad grew up? Do you know where some of your grandparents grew up? Do you know where some of your grandparents met? Do you know where your parents were married? Do you know what, I love this question, do you know what went on when you were being born? Mm. Uh, kids, uh, we, we have a tradition in our family that on the, on the kid's birthday, we tell their birth story in all detail around the dinner table with whoever happens to be there at the time. And it could be really embarrassing, but the kids love hearing about the day that they were born. They love hearing about getting rushed to the hospital or, um, you know, what, whatever whatever details we, we've included in their stories. Uh, but I think what they love most is the bit at the very end where dad says to mum, she's beautiful, she's perfect. And then mum and dad fall into each other's arms and cry because this baby's <laughs> been delivered so healthily. Um, there, there's, there's something extraordinary when children hear these stories because they know that they're part of something bigger. They know that they're part of something that, that goes beyond them. It gives them tremendous roots. And as those foundations are developed under the ground, the tree can then grow bigger and bigger above the ground. It gives them that foundation. And that's what Marshall Duke's uh, research has shown. And I think this is just just a fascinating kind of um, situation to, to, to consider. Now, why do I think it's happening? Well, I think that it's happening because... As humans, we're meaning-making machines. And so we, we pull together strands of experience from our lives consistently and weave them into a fabric or a tapestry that we rest on day in and day out. If we're looking at stories from our family history, if we're looking at stories from our lives and creating meaning from them, what stories do you want your kids to be leaning on? What do you want them to be picking up? So we, we, in our family, we're consistently coming up with stories that we want our kids to, to focus on. So we're talking about resilience, right? So as a bike rider, there's a story that I focus on very heavily, and, and that is how much fun it is to ride up hills as fast as I can. Now, the reality is if you've ever ridden a bike and you've ridden up a big hill, it's not fun at all. It's no. just plain hard work. It's, it's tough work. It's, it, it's rotten. Sometimes you just want to get off and 
ride back down or, or push the bike up the hill because it's hard. But we've got this phrase, you've got to love the hills. Mm. You've got to love the hills because when you get to the top, how good is the view? And when you get to the top, how awesome is the sense of accomplishment? Mm. And when you get to the top, how fun is it to ride down the other side? That's right. But more than anything, if you want to be a strong bike rider, does riding downhill make you strong or does riding uphill make you strong? It's the downhills that make you strong. And so we talked to the kids about this metaphor. We, around the dinner table, you know, we were talking about these conversations before. One of my favorite conversations is, what did you do today that was hard? Because mm. I, I, I want my kids to know I love hearing about effort. I love hearing about the difficult challenges that they're experiencing and overcoming. Well, there we have it, everybody. I hope you really enjoyed the first half of the chat with Justin today. I know that it was an abrupt ending, and we'll pick up right from there for next week's episode, where we'll go into the importance of psychological flexibility and how to develop it. Now, that is a key area for your own resilience and for growing resilience in young people. We also talk about why the things that you resist persists and what you can do instead. That's right, what you resist persists. And we talk about what you can do instead, and he shares a really inspiring story of the incredible power of resilience. Now, this story actually had both of us choking up as he was telling us. And again, I know you're really going to enjoy that episode because he shares so much helpful, actionable tips that will make a big difference for you and for the people in your life. Now, if you did enjoy this episode, please do let me know. Please leave a rating and a review. That makes a really big difference for this podcast. Helps it get out in front of more people just like you. Please make sure you share it on social media as well. You can follow me at Dave Jorner and the Do Love Better podcast group on Facebook. And remember to tag Dr. Justin Coulson as well. So thank you very much for joining me today. And remember, as you go forward this week, Keep making those small little changes that add up to making a big difference that will help you do your life even better.